Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The survey results are in, and 9 out of 10 people really is 90%. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on Sunday night. Yep, pre-recorded 100%, because by the time you hear this, I will have set up my uh, booth at the Tobacco Plus show in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, I'll be uh, there. I'll be in Vegas for uh, four nights. Kind of a quick trip for me. Um, anyway, more a little bit on the show next week and uh, give you a bit of a show report and maybe some FDA update. But on tonight's show, Ian Pipe Parts, going to touch on stems again and the uh, shapes of stems. Uh, my guest tonight is Eric Stokeby. We're catching up with Eric. And uh, probably at this show, I'm probably sitting down and having a drink with Eric, too. Uh, and then uh, music, mailbag, and rant rant all related to a certain trip that i took this last week um so i didn't i didn't announce the trip to anybody because my dad's 70th birthday was a week ago and i tied in a visit to los angeles in with uh four customers that i was supposed to see uh the highlight of the trip was on uh, last friday night we went to a uh Went to a showing of Blazing Saddles, and then after the sh- after the movie was played, Mel Brooks came out and talked and took questions and stuff like that for about an hour and a half. And let me tell you, for 90 years old, Mel Brooks is still as sharp and quick-witted and was bouncing around on the stage like he was at a U2 concert, uh, just full of energy, and what a, what a great night it was, uh, just a great night and got to hear him talk about some of his other movies and some of the other stuff he's done and, uh, and his history. Uh, just can't imagine him working with, uh, Sid Caesar, Carl Reiner, and, uh, boy, those guys in, back in that day. Um, anyway, it was a, uh, really fun night and, uh, the, obviously the highlight of the trip. And then, uh, in the rant, I'll tell you about the lowlights of the trip. In the meantime, let's get the show rolling, so everybody sit back, relax, make sure you're of legal smoking age wherever you are listening to this, fire up a bowl, thank you all for tuning in, thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. 
It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Welcome back. All right. Uh, so a question came up about two weeks ago about uh, about stems and what shape is best for what person. Yeah, what person. And again, the the shape of the stem is highly personal. Um, I like a uh, I like a fish-tailed stem with a pronounced button. Now, as far as I can tell, there are three different types of stems, in my opinion, which I am the leading expert on. Uh, you have a uh, you have a tapered stem and a saddled stem, and then there's the very rounded ones, the old style that go back to like 1920s, 1930s, the bowling ball kind of ones that are very round, all, you know, all the way around, lots of round edges. Uh, those older ones, in uh, in my opinion, are terrible for clenching. They really are. They're, they're just hard to get a hold of, and the only thing you would really want to do is use them for puffing. Just put them, in your, put them between your lips and puff away. Uh, the saddle stem and the tapered stem. Taper means that it goes from the junction at the, at the shank all the way down to the button and has one continuous taper down. A saddled stem has a spot somewhere along the way before it gets to the tip where it goes from a round to drops off and becomes a flat stem. Uh, whether or not the stem is fishtailed is up to the, uh, obviously up to the pipe maker or the factory, but the definition of a fishtailed stem is that at some point before it gets to the, gets to your mouth or to the button, it starts to widen out. So it looks like a fish's tail. Uh, for me personally, because of my clenching nature of the way I smoke, I need a wide stem on there. So a fish-tailed stem is beneficial for a very elegant, delicate, uh, shanked pipe that has uh, has just you know nice uh, nice small lines to it. And then in the last three quarters of an inch of the stem, it starts to widen out, or half inch of it, it starts to widen out, and it, it just makes it much easier for me to clench. The other thing that a fish-tailed stem does on a narrow shank is it allows the pipe maker or the factory to widen the smoke channel as it's coming through that last half inch of the stem. Uh, by widening the smoke channel out, it gets it takes away the concentration of that one little circular draft hole in there and starts to spread the smoke out, gives you more flavor throughout your mouth, helps in my opinion, dramatically with cooling down the, the smoke. So if you look at the tip of your stem, look in the, look in the, in the tip, and you'll see that on a well-made quality pipe, uh, it kind of V's out inside there, and that helps widen it out. If it's a very narrow shank and there was no widening of it, you'd have a very small stem at the end, and it'd be hard to hold on to. Um, on a pipe that's of a good size good a good girth maybe like a group five or something like that that's got a good wide shank to it you really don't need a fishtail you just need to keep the parallel lines of that of the stem coming off of the shank and you've still got enough room for holding the pipe in your mouth and you've still got enough room in there for the pipe maker or the pipe factory to 
widen out that smoke channel in the last half inch of the uh, of the of the stem. So there's there's the reasons. Uh, if you get a, if you've got a stem that is narrowing, it's to make it easier to fit in your mouth. And I've got a few pipes that do that. But again, once they when they start out wide and then they come down a little bit, for me they haven't narrowed them so far that I can't get my mouth on it and get a hold of it. Uh, and again, a good pronounced button on the top of the on the top of the stem is really important to me. So there you go, a couple a little rundown on some more uh, pipe stem stuff for you. Got a lot going in this show tonight, so in just a minute we'll have Eric Stokeby and then uh, music mailbag, some fun stuff at the end. And a big rant. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco. Founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes. Or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit Sutliff-Tobacco.com. For information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. And joining us on the phone, we've got to go all the way back. The first time you were here was episode six of the show. That was about, um, I don't know, about 350 years ago. And... uh, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen, but you can tell the show's improved dramatically since then, or at least I've just gotten more tolerable. But uh, joining us is uh, fourth-generation tobacconist Eric Stokeby. Eric, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Brian. I, uh, I, I can't remember either, but I know it was a long time ago that I was on the show. You said episode six, but yeah. I don't know. How many episodes are you up to now? Uh, 225 plus or so. so oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I lo- I'm happy to be back and uh, look forward to this chat. Yeah, in fact, we were talking uh, last week or so that uh, I think you are now the age your father was when I first met him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so con- <laughs> congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Uh, that sounds about right, I guess, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know if I want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, let, let's not. Um, but speaking uh, speaking of the old days, do you remember your first pipe? Yes, I do. Uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, some of my friends uh, 
when I was growing up in Denmark was smoking cigarettes and and uh, I came home one day I was 16 years old and I told my father I want to smoke cigarettes too and he said no you don't want to smoke cigarettes and then he said but you know uh, if you smoke a pipe that would be fine so he gave me actually a, he gave me a quarter bent crystal pipe <laughs> and that's when I started smoking the pipe so, a few years ago. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, let, let's get into what you're doing now. You are okay. uh, you're, you're working for Phillips and King. Uh, the mm-hmm. last time I saw you, even though we live about, I don't know, 25 miles from each other, was in Germany. Um, yeah. So, let's go through your product lines. What are you representing? What are you making? And uh, go through it all because it's gotten pretty big. It has gotten pretty big. Uh, well, you know, my whole idea behind the fourth generation brand, if you will, was that I wanted to have something, uh, a brand that kind of uh, reaches across uh, the different segment or categories so that, uh, you know, you have a pipe uh, that have some, that basically have the same person behind it that is also behind the tobacco and essentially. So it's basically a one brand for uh, everything in the pipe category. So you have the, you have we have six seven blends now uh, in uh, different uh, thin sizes um, in the U.S. market, and uh, we have uh, seven shapes of pipes also in, in three different finishes, and then we have uh, several. Uh, Accessories from uh, really larger pipe bag to like a roll-up pouch, um, and then we also have a fourth-generation uh, pipe lighter now. So, uh, so pretty good stuff. All right, let, let's go back through it. When when you were working on the the original fourth-generation tobaccos, have uh, one blend for each of the Eric Stokebys. No, yeah, so it's either Eric Peter or Eric Paul Stokeby. Well, and then there's you. Uh, well, yeah, I was supposed to be an Eric Paul, but my parents changed it to Eric Peter. Oh, Eric, excuse me, Eric Michael. <laughs> All right, so, so going going back to the first Eric Peter in, in 1855, is that is that blend kind of representative of what he would have smoked or what his favorite was, or was it more typical of the time? Well, you know, I, I don't know because I never met my, uh, my great, great grandfather, but, and I don't think actually he was much of a pipe smoker from what I understand. So it's really representative of the time, you know, more of a natural type blend. Uh, you know, in those days, they didn't use much uh, casings and flavors and so forth. So it's more, let's say, for that particular blend with his name and, and year on it, it's more representative of the times. And then for 1897, that's Eric Paul? So that would have been your grandfather. Yeah, so that was my grandfather. And, you know, almost the same thing. My grandfather was actually much more of a cigar smoker. Uh, and a cigar man, uh, but you know what he did occasionally smoke a pipe, uh, which I did see him do. Uh, he he liked an aromatic tobacco, so 
1897 is an aromatic tobacco that, you know, when I when we developed this blend, uh, it was kind of a, you know, I had some thought about what, you know, what he was smoking at that time. So that's you know, so but uh, much more uh, much more cigar smoking than anything else. And your grandfather was also a restaurateur. He was at one point. He had four restaurants in uh, the town of Oden. And uh, uh, today, I think two of them, no, actually three of them are still uh, in existence. And and uh, one of them is actually uh, one of the better. It's not, yeah, one of the top top restaurants in the town of Oden. So, uh, but yeah, he got into. Uh, Many things uh, from buying up antiques to running a tobacco company to having restaurants to having a gift shop that my grandmother ran. <laughs> and it, if you go to if you go to Odense, the old inn is one of the restaurants. It's right across the street from the old factory too. That is correct. Yes, yeah. that is correct. Yeah, it's right across from. Uh, the, actually, the the front of the, the building where my grandparents lived in upstairs, they had an apartment. And downstairs, there was there his retail shops, and then in the back of that uh, was the factory and offices. And that's where so, your uh, is that where your father was born and grew up. Uh, my father was born and grew up there. Yes, he was. He uh, he grew up. Uh, in in that part of town, and it was actually it was pretty interesting because back then, uh, you know, there was quite a few smaller tobacco companies in that town, and so in the town of or in the street where they were, which street uh, is called Over Street, if you will, uh, right next to it, the, the the parallel street is called Down Street, and on on that Street, there was a big uh, cigar factory, and so the owner of that cigar factory used to go for walks every day with my grandfather, and then they they talked about this and so forth. So that company, which was called Turing, uh, was since sold to Scandinavian Tobacco Company, pretty much like everything else. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So uh, you know, so a lot of tradition, a lot of tobacco tradition in that section of town. And what is the uh, the nineteen thirty one blend, which is for your father? What's what's the basis behind that blend? <clears throat> so that blend is a classic uh, navy flake, uh, you know, pressed tobacco and sliced, and with mostly, uh, I believe it's it's uh, a good portion of. Uh, a burly tobacco and uh, and some genius and uh, a very very uh, delightful delightful slow smoke and uh, when we did that blend uh, you know I did have that I did have my my father in mind because he was he did like a good a good uh, navy flight and uh, uh, when he smoked the pipe that's that's usually what he liked to smoke was a good movie place. So that this is definitely something that's dedicated to him. I, I think he liked it because it was a really slow smoke and you could smoke one bowl for about three hours. 
something like that, yeah. <laughs> All right, and then we get to 1957, which is um, you. That was me, yeah, and uh, I am uh, also uh, mostly an aromatic smoker, uh, which 1957 is. 1957 is a mild Virginia um, aromatic and uh, very... Uh, uh, very pleasant smoke, you know, uh, morning, midday type of smoke. And um, I am, yes, as I mentioned, I am uh, more of a, an aromatic smoker than anything else. Uh, I think that's because that's what I started with smoking and uh, always uh, enjoyed that. I do like a good flake once in a while as well. Uh, never been a big uh, English smoker, but uh, uh, maybe that will come one day. And what are the... Uh... <laughs> There's two other dates in here that I don't recognize, 1966 and 1982. Yeah, so uh, 1966 is our latest on the uh, in the series. Uh, that is actually uh, dedicated to my brother, Lodge Christian, who was born in 1966. Uh, he, my brother Lawrence, uh, had a very short fling in the business, uh, uh, worked a little bit uh, with us, but not for long. So he actually went into the uh, hotel and restaurant business, and that's where he spent most of his uh, professional life. Uh, but I wanted to have something, you know, I wanted to have it uh, dedicated to somebody in my family, and, you know, the natural thing was to dedicate it to my brother. The 1982 is a uh, anniversary blend. Uh, in I, that is, uh, the company was founded in 1882, and uh, 100 years later, 1982. So, and that's a uh, anniversary blend. Uh, we uh, we we uh, we thought about for that particular date. And the last one we'll touch on, and I know nothing about this one, is the uh, fourth generation family reserve. It looks like it's a beautiful tin with uh, three really good looking guys pictured in you. <laughs> yeah, so the family reserve was an idea I got actually uh, a few, a couple of years ago. I wanted to do something that was uh, unique and, and, and different. So I, if you look closely at the tin, uh, you can see some scribbles in the background. And so I actually went to my grandfather's recipe book, which I have still in our possession, and uh, looked through it. And, uh, you know, so that the family reserve is not 100%, but uh, as close to it as you can get based on the recipe uh, that was from my grandfather's, grandfather's time. So the, the the blend, if you will, or the recipe is kind of uh, pictured sort of in the background of that tin. So it's kind of a dedication to the four generations, limited edition, uh, you know, once we are, we out, but uh, just something for fun and uh, something that, yeah, uh, dedicated to all, all four years or four generations, I guess. It, it it's a it's a wonderful idea and I love the I love the artwork on the tin. Um, yeah, it is pretty cool. Anyway, what's your what is describe your process for introducing a new blend? Uh, 
class, it has to it has to stay, you know, within let's say the fourth generation concept. So um, uh, we like to give it, you know, a, a year that is meaningful for the fourth generations who's been in the business. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's that's how that's that's kind of the process now. I am kind of running out of uh, years and, and dates to use, so uh, maybe I'll use uh, your birthday next time, uh, Brian. Yeah, well, that'd be <clears throat> that'd be going back in time. But um, <laughs> so, so do you do you actually come up with a with a taste profile that you want, and then you have the factories make up a couple of variations and kind of work it yeah. back and forth? Right. Exactly. So. That's how I am, and that's how I've done uh, most blending and most blends uh, throughout my life. Is I've, I've come up with some ideas and concepts, uh, and then I, you know, I ask the factory, you know, what do you guys think about this? And they uh, they come up with some some different ideas, and then we go back and forth. We try them and uh, try them again, and then eventually we'll uh, we'll find something that uh, that I like, and you know, and, and they like so. So it's, it's, a, it's a process of going back and forth and uh, between different samples and, and finding what you kind of had in mind to begin with. That's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to Eric more about, um, oh, maybe a, maybe a taste that or a blend he's never been able to make and then uh, maybe the fifth generation. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Sure. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Eric Stokeby. And Eric, has there ever really been a, a a flavor profile or a tobacco that you've wanted to do and you just have never gotten it right? Uh, you know, I mean, there's been to the times. Uh, I think profile uh, blends, samples, if you will, ideas that I thought were pretty good but just never made it uh and i i'm going back now many years uh but we once launched a pipe tobacco in, in denmark and, and germany called uh revolution no not excuse me resolution in resolution 
was the name of a ship. Our family comes from the southern part of uh, this island in Denmark, and that that little island there is actually where the name Sokopi comes from. And uh, so our forefathers was very maritime uh, people, captains on different boats, uh, shaloops and so forth. And one of the one of the boats that one of our forefathers were captain on was called Resolution. So we have that picture of the boat in our family uh, collection and so I thought it could be kind of neat to do a pipe tobacco uh, you know uh, around this whole idea about him being the captain and so forth so we did that and we had a very nice beautiful looking tin with the boat on it uh, beautiful small tins with sampling and just, uh, just beautiful introduction of this brand and it was a cube cut tobacco, and I thought it was really, really good. Uh, but the pipe smokers didn't apparently did not. So we had a great introduction, but it didn't last very long. So we had to take it off the market. So <laughs> that was one of those stories where you know you feel that you've done everything right, and then at the end uh, you kind of miscalculated. I guess so. on the blend side, at least. <laughs> yeah, so. the, the market wasn't ready for it yet. Um, yeah, I guess so, something like that, yeah. Uh, can you real briefly tell the story of your great-grandfather coming to work in the cigar factory and having his name changed? Oh, uh, well, that actually goes back. It wasn't, that, it wasn't my great-grandfather, actually. It goes back before him. But it goes back to what I was saying, that so our family was named Hanson, uh, that was our last name, and we came from this island called Hayoi, which was a very maritime type of island, a lot of uh, ship building and uh, boating going on. And, and then, uh, so they came from the small village of Stokeby, which still exists, so if anybody's ever in Denmark, go visit uh, Stokeby village on the uh, island of Hayoi, and so he moved to Copenhagen to find a job, and uh, so the the um, his uh, boss asked him, uh, "So what's your name, son?" And he said, "Well, my last name is Hansen." And he said, "Well, everybody's name Hansen. Where are you from?" And I'm from the village of Stokeby. Well, from now on, your name's Stokeby. So kind of a so kind of a you know Ellis Island approach, uh, and that's how that's how a lot of names actually you know back. And I'm talking probably 250, 300 years. That's how a lot of names came about uh, because when the farmers or whatever they were, you know, they went to town and, and sought for jobs. They um, they were asked where they were from, and that's how their names came about. I was actually I remember in school in high school I sat next to a, a guy called Henrich, and uh, his last name also came up the same way. They were from Southern Jutland and uh, they came from this town which was now his uh, his last name. So <laughs> so that that's how uh, names came about. So kind of yeah, like kind of an Ellis Island uh, type of approach. Yeah, and the uh, the last time we talked, uh, the uh, your son Max was uh, getting ready to graduate from college and now he's actually the uh, fifth generation in the tobacco business. He is the fifth generation uh, working for a Scandinavian tobacco company, Flash Lane, and 
as a salesman with them and uh, seems to like it very much. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly happy that he's in the business. I think that's fun. I think it's fun when a family tradition can continue uh, and uh, hopefully that he will like it enough to stay in it. Uh, but he's still a young man, so uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so if you're at a pipe show and you go up to the uh, and you go up to the lane table and you happen to see a young guy that's uh, young and full of energy and good looking, it might be Max. Uh, let's go on to the pipes for a minute because pipes are something that's new to you but not new to your family because your dad had pipelines. But what did you do? Where do they come from? And uh, tell us the story of them. Okay, well. Yeah, I mean, kind of, uh, you know, my father had pipes made, uh, very exclusive, expensive pipes made for uh, many, many years, 10, 12, 15 years, uh, by a guy called Jochen Larsen in Denmark. Uh, and when I came up with the fourth generation idea and we launched uh, the pipe tobaccos, I thought it could be really uh, a nice thing to have, you know, pipes uh, as a... Uh, as a supplement to the tobaccos. So uh, two or three three years ago, I met uh, Peter Nero at a uh, event down in Alabama, and I asked him, and that was the first time I ever met him, and I said, you know, I'm Eric Sogaby, and he introduced himself and said, you know, I'm really looking for somebody who can do pipes for me. And he said, well, I'll be happy to do that. So, so that's how we formed our partnership, and... Uh, we're back and forth on the different models and, and so forth. And, um, you know, since we met, it's been a really good uh, partnership. And uh, he's great to work with, makes uh, some awesome pipes. And uh, just, just uh, a lucky chance, I think, because he's, uh, he's, been, he's been really good. And uh, I think Peter likes the relationship as well. So it's been, uh, it's been very solid. Where do the pipes start out at price-wise? Well, price-wise, they are kind of in the upper end, but not, you know, crazy expensive. But they are, you know, in the, let's say, the 180 to $230, $40 range. Um, so upper end, but, you know, they are beautiful uh, pipes, I think. Um, and they are, you know, handmade by Peter, um, aged Italian briar, et cetera, et cetera. So... Uh, uh, a good value for for the money and uh, and, and you know we've done well with it uh, over the last couple of years so so it's it's been a good uh, it's been a good thing and and I've known you for years and I've never considered you mm -hmm. much of a uh, fashion designer or fashion plate uh, mm -hmm. but your fourth generation line of leather goods is some of the prettiest leather out there. Uh, where are you getting them from, and where, and and what made you what made you all of a sudden get some real good taste? <laughs> well, thank you, Brian. Um, well, you know, again, same thing. I, I thought it could be neat to supplement the tobaccos and the pipes with some really cool, different-looking um, uh, pipe accessories. So, I met this company from India. Couple of three years ago, uh, 
the uh, tobacco show in Dortmund, Germany, uh, father-son type of uh, factory, and uh, struck up a good relationship, and I came up with these ideas of what I wanted to do, and they showed me some different letters, and, uh, you know, I told them I really just want, you know, the best of what you got, and, and uh, ever since then, it's been, uh, again, it's been another solid relationship, and uh, very good to work with, uh, they do know something about fashion, and, you know, they uh, sell a lot of uh, ladies' handbags in, in Europe. <laughs> So, uh, you know, so uh, they understand, I think sometimes, maybe not always, but they understand most of the time when I come up with these crazy ideas of what I want to do uh, without, you know, looking totally uh, funny at me. So, I mean, your your product uh, is so pretty and so well done that you've actually had some inventory and supply issues. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> initially, when we came out, we, we ran out. We didn't, we didn't expect it to be a success uh, that it has been. So uh, it, it's been, it's been very good. And you know, uh, India, it's, uh, it's a long, t- it's a long way from here, so it takes a while before we can, uh, you know, get supplies uh, ready to support. So, yeah, it's so it's been, uh, <laughs> it's been good. And then uh, you got to fill me in on this lighter because I know absolutely nothing about it. Okay, so we have uh, we have three uh, lighters. It's a kind of an old-fashioned flint lighter with a uh, you know regular gas, uh, and uh, it's uh, we have it in three finishes: silver, black, and and brown. And uh, it's made by Sycar. Uh, so Sycar, I went to a couple of years ago, and I said, you know, I like to have a. Uh, pipe lighter uh, to go along with the, with the series of products we have, and they said fine. And so they sent me different samples, and I, I selected the one that we have on the market now. And uh, uh, again, it's it's been uh, it's been a good success for us. All right, and real quickly, you're also handling the Kamoys uh, tobaccos and and stuff like that. Yeah, so Kamoy tobaccos. Uh, also made in Denmark and uh, good solid uh, tobaccos, some English, uh, some flakes, some aromatics, uh, good range of different blends, so a little bit something for everybody. Uh, we have pipes as well. The you know the Komori name is mostly known as a pipe name, and uh, I went to the original factory, Chacom uh, in Saint uh, Paul, France, and they had used to make a lot of their uh, bowls for the uh, Kamoi line, and uh, we relaunched, if you will, a couple of years ago, the uh, some of the original uh, Kamoi shapes. So we are up to seven or eight different models now, so three different finishes. Yeah, so those who remember when we talked about uh, Kamoi and Shakom. Uh, the Chacombe name is a uh, combination of Chapuis Camoy, which was the original briar factory in St. Claude and goes back 150, 160 years. So it's kind uh, of... Actually, it's 190 years old. Wow, so you were there for the opening. I was there for the opening, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we had actually, last year, we had 
a limited edition Kamoi pipe made uh, in uh, as an anniversary pipe uh, celebrating 190 years of the Kamoi uh, brand name. So, wow. So, so, it go, so, so 100. So that's uh, 1825. So it's got to be like one of the oldest brand names uh, in any category in the world, I would think. Yeah, Kamoy's left uh, left France and went to England, and then for a while the Kamoy's pipes were made in different places. And uh, just a couple of years ago, they got to go back home again. Exactly, exactly. So, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff, and uh, uh, very nice people. And Antoine Girard is a very nice young man who's done an excellent job, not only of that, but of course also on his own pipes. Yeah, and to prove he's young, he's actually younger than I am. I know he's very young. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Some yeah. time ago, I had hair, and then I started working for you, and it went away. And um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Eric, we will wrap this up yeah. with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong okay. answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? Fourth generation, uh, 1931, Dark Porter. And what is your favorite tobacco? 1855, fourth, fourth generation. What is your favorite drink? Uh, a uh, shaken mustard uh, vodka martini. Well, you are James Bond of Denmark. Um, uh, oh, yes, of course. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, uh, probably a book. Yeah, I've always seen you with your nose in a book. Um, and then the uh, the final question is, do you have any particularly favorite pipe-smoking-related memories? Uh, I think I have so many that they all come <laughs> out together. But, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, narrow it down to one. Go right ahead. <laughs> no, narrow it down to one. Uh, well, I think what I, probably one of my favorites is when I got inducted into the uh, St. Claude uh, Pipe Hall of Fame here a couple of years ago. Um, I went, you know, they have this big boardroom where they gather everybody before you go in and get inducted. And uh, in that boardroom, they have this these glass shelves all around the room where everybody's pipe who was inducted is there and I went to look for my father's pipe who was also inducted and I and I saw it and that was uh, that was I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know that was that was really and I, I even remember him smoking that particular pipe. So um, that was really a, a cool thing. So to that find was probably one of my best to uh, find your product, we can look in any really good uh, pipe and tobacco shop in the U.S., in Germany, Denmark, around the world, because you're pushing it out internationally now. And uh, uh, Yeah, we are trying to push it out internationally. Uh, we have in Switzerland, and we are looking to get it into more uh, European countries here uh, within 2017. 
So, uh, yes, and, uh, and, and the U.S. Court. And Canada. I should say Canada. I was just up there a couple of months ago uh, at some very successful events there. So, And, of course, you're traveling a lot and doing events, and we'll uh, see you at pipe shows. So just uh, keep an eye out for Eric somewhere on the road. Exactly, and uh, you can always see on my Facebook page, uh, Boston Racing, uh, where I am. So, uh, yeah, look for me on the road. Eric, thanks for uh, coming back again, and uh, keep the family tradition alive. Okay, thanks, Brian. Thanks for uh, letting me do this. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back, and uh, do make sure and follow Eric Stokeby on uh, Facebook. It's S-T-O-K-K-E-B-Y-E. Uh, and uh, check out everything he's doing. Especially love those messenger bags. All right, anyway, off the off the shopping for me. Uh, for music, I'm uh, bringing up Danny Kay, and I can't talk about it yet, but in the next couple of weeks... We'll uh, talk about some news here on the Pipes Magazine radio show that involves Danny Kay, uh, dancer, actor, singer, pipe smoker. And uh, this one is just a fun old one from Danny, and it's called uh, Minnie the Moocher. Hang on a second. Minnie the Mooch. Yeah, Minnie the Moocher. Sorry about me, neither moocher. She was the low down hoochie coocher. She was the roughest and the toughest frail. But Minnie had a heart as big as a whale. Hidey, 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 She messed around with 
every million dollars and nickels and dimes. She sat around and counted them a million times. Go ahead. <laughs> they said for many where they put the crazy snob for all men is pushing up the daisies. This ends the story and it ends my song. She was just a little girl, but they don't You know, you gotta love any song that talks about a hoochie coocher. What's this? A letter for me. In the mailbag, uh, the uh, so far the results of the should we change the intro music has been uh, one suggestion of another song, and uh, five or six people that said no, don't ever change the uh, Crazy Train or Ozzy Osbourne intro. They love it, and it made me think. All right, you know, so. Is uh, is Ozzy Osbourne exactly pipe smoking related? No, um, but then again, uh, you know, pipe smokers. We've had punk rockers, progressive rockers. We've had uh, uh, graphic artists. We've had all different walks of life of people on this show. All different ages of people on this show, including uh, people much older than me, younger than me, the same age as me, and we all grew up at different times and places and. Yeah, so I guess the Ozzy Osbourne stays for now. Uh, Dan Lockler did write in and told me, uh, in addition to how much he enjoyed the Rick Newcomb interview, he uh, found, after much research, he found a uh, he found large jars for storing long flake tobaccos. And what's really cool about it is if you go on Amazon.com and search. Packin P A K K O N wide mouth glass mason jar one gallon. Uh, it's a it's a one gallon jar and it's got a wide opening. Uh, looks perfect for holding the holding the long leaves of flake tobacco in it or holding a whole bunch of tobacco in it. Uh, but down in the down in the actual listing of it, it says a convenient storing a convenient storing kitchen accessory for a neat and organized pantry makeover blah 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 uh store sugar flour rice oats tea leaves and coffee beans in these see-through jars which help you determine when to restock use to store lemonade or even pipe tobacco we actually got mentioned on uh amazon.com anyway they're 11.49 each it's a Packin, P-A-K-K-O-N, wide-mouth glass mason jar. 
Uh, Dan also had a uh, conversation back and forth with Rick Newcomb, and uh, Rick was kind enough to provide us with a uh, uh, with just a, a Word document version of his article, which makes it much easier to forward on to elected officials. If you would like that, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and just mention uh, Rick's article in there, and I'll uh, forward that off to you, and then we can uh, send it off to all of our elected officials here in the United States. Uh, let's see. Casey Ghost wrote, uh, in regards to last week's show, as you know, the Casey Pipe newsletter contains an article by Joseph Johnson on a famous pipe smoker. The articles are usually well-received, even though the pipe smoker in question is not known to the general American audience. Yep. And uh, oftentimes, I'll, uh, I'm going to add in there, oftentimes those pipe smokers were really just, yeah, they owned a pipe and tobacco and that's what they did while they were doing great things. Uh, Dan goes on to write, The interview with Rick Newcomb was really exceptional. His article on Reason.com was very good, and I included it in uh, January's Kansas City Pipe Club newsletter. Uh, Rick took the, the time to write the article when he doesn't have a dog in the fight while people who are going to be directly affected just sit around and do nothing. Um, the people that are going to be directly affected uh, from an industry standpoint, it's not doing nothing. It's just that when you're in the industry, you have channels and uh, our lobbyists are doing the best we can. Uh, Weeds Nagger writes, uh, Fabulous guest this week. Nice to hear people on the show other than pipe makers. I vote to change the song opening, uh, maybe a Frank Sinatra piece. <laughs> there you go. There's another vote. Uh, New Broom says, I think the opening is exactly right. One guy gets to ask for a vote. Uh, let me add in there. No, I've actually been thinking about updating the intro, but apparently uh, most people like exactly what uh, exactly the Aussie stuff. Uh, then uh, New Broom says, uh, Brother, Ray, Brother Ray had some chops on the 88, didn't he? His music will always have a place in my rotation. Wonderful interview. Uh, Dino says, amen to what Newbroom said. So there you go. Uh, five words, and he's all in with that. Uh, Suppressed Rage <laughs> says, a great episode. I enjoyed Rick's interview. I shared his article that you tagged on my uh, Facebook page. I'm really into weight training. I wish you would have, would have had some time to talk to him a little bit about his training. Maybe we can have him back. Um, I vote for Keep the Song. Not all pipe smokers are fuddy-duddies. I always fast-forward through your music selections towards the end. I wouldn't ask you to play anything different. It's just not the genre I'm into. There we go. Uh, and Al Jones writes, uh, Listening to Rick is always a treat. Like it or not, he is a spokesman for the hobby. I personally like the opening and closing tracks. Uh, here's another take on Black Coffee, this one written by Ike and Tina Turner, and there's a YouTube link to it there, so if you want to check that out. And then, uh, finally on Facebook, uh, Rondi writes in, uh, good show, good interview, I really find Rick to be pretty fascinating, a self-made man who, da 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 but humble enough to constantly downplay, uh, he's a man of deep faith and who has a strong love of family, Interesting hobbies like uh, bodybuilding, an enjoyable writer to read, and one hell of an advocate for our hobby lifestyle here. 
I've been waiting for you to interview him since the beginning. Yep. Well, we had him on once before with Sykes, and then we had his son on, so now you get Rick, and maybe we'll have Rick back on again. All right, uh, quick reminders. Uh, Let's see, I'm on the road this week. Next week, every Tuesday night, back again. And then uh, coming up in February, let's get the page up here in front of me. February 18th, the uh, St. Louis Pipe Show, St. Louis, Missouri. And then after that, March uh, 11th is the Newark, uh, the New York Pipe Show in Newark, New Jersey, uh, March 11th. And then the uh, Raleigh Pipe Show is April 8th in Raleigh, North Carolina. And then uh, really May 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 5th, 6th, and 7th is the big one, the Chicagoland Pipe and Tobacco, or Pipe and Tobacchiana Show in St. Charles, Illinois. So get your schedules planned. We'd love to see you all at a pipe show in just a minute rant time. But now a little bit of fun stuff for you. Even though I wasn't uh, chosen to be the Pipes Magazine radio show host, big mistake. I'm thrilled to be here on the show. Could care less. First of all, I want to say that this will be a completely unbiased review of Middleton's Cherry Blend. Aromatics suck. I've been smoking pipes and tobaccos for a very long time, three months, and I know what I'm talking about, clueless. You know, there's a reason Middleton's Cherry Blend has been around for so long, leftover cigarette tobacco. It's because they use the finest leaf available, floor sweepings. Cherry Blend is not your typical cherry mixture, horse manure. It is a finely crafted, cross-cut Burley, Virginia blend with a wisp of cherry, nowhere to be found, in the background, and a solid upfront tobacco profile. Tastes like air. When you open the pouch, the tobacco is fresh and moist, propylene glycol. It lights easily and burns well, 10 relights. There is no tongue bite, completely seared, and the tobacco burns to the bottom of the bowl into a fine gray ash, goopy mess. I couldn't think of a better way to spend an afternoon than smoking this blend, Root Canal. I would highly recommend Middleton's Cherry Blend, not to my worst enemy. With all the traveling I do, I consider myself fairly lucky with uh, delays and interruptions and flight cancellations, but this week, American Airlines, you got me and you got me good. Wednesday morning, my flight uh, heading out to San Jose, my flight was supposed to leave at 7.30 a.m. out of Charlotte. Mechanical difficulties. It left two hours late. I get into Dallas to change my flight. And they send me on a plane to San Francisco. Why? Because the other flight to San Jose was supposedly canceled because of weather. So I get to San Francisco, 4.15 Pacific time. I get there. My bag's not there. Where's my bag? My bag is going to be arriving in San Jose on that supposedly mysteriously canceled flight that was now due to arrive at 7.19. 5 p.m. comes around and I'm in a super shuttle for a two and a half hour ride that scared me to death because the driver was brand new and didn't know how to push the gas pedal or the brake 
moderately. It was raining, it was traffic, it was two and a half hours. I finally get to the hotel, get a shuttle ride over to the airport, pick up my bag, get back to the hotel. Long story short, 9.45 p.m. is when I am finally in bed after eating dinner. That was a 20-hour day. I get up the next day, short flight to L.A., slight delay, no big deal. The two days there, great. I get on Saturday, get to go to my flight, mechanical delay. I end up flying from Burbank to Phoenix, spending nine hours in Phoenix, and take the red eye home at 2 a.m. Sunday morning. I get home Sunday morning at 9 a.m. East Coast time, sleep about five hours, do some stuff, finished up this radio show, and I hope to God, American Airlines, I hope you got all the screwing around with me out of your system for another couple of years. Anyway, hopefully the flights to Vegas are uneventful, like, you know, get on the plane, sit uncomfortably, and then get off the plane. That's exactly what I'm looking forward to. Uh, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Post all of your comments on pipesmagazine.com under the radio show page. I love getting feedback. Uh, even if you think I'm an idiot, write it in there. I love reading it. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Eric Stokeby for joining me. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Not only was it authentic frontier gibberish, it expressed a Courage, little seen in this day and age. Oh,